This is Doc Strange and the Dude. Hello there, dear listener, and welcome once again to the podcast that is Doc Strange and the Dude. I'm Doc Strange. And I'm the Dude. It's the dude. And, uh, well, welcome to 2021. I don't think we've done a podcast this year or we did. Do you know what? I can't remember. We've been in lockdown for a week and and it seems like an eternity. But you know what? Uh, It doesn't really make a lot of difference to me because I've been in isolation since March 2020. Um, And my wife and daughters were just saying this morning, you know, oh, it's dragging on this lockdown. And I'm like... The whole year's dragged on for me. It's just been... I've not gone out. And they went, you've been out? Yeah, I've been shopping. That's that's about it. We went to Liverpool for the uh, 3.5% uh, protest in the beginning of September last year. Um, that's the only bit of travelling that we did. And, uh, we, you know, we, we didn't get out the car. We, we drove up there. We did a bit. We came home again. Um, but... Um, yeah, I've just I've decided that I'm going to remodel my office because what I'm finding is um, people have been very slow to uptake the idea of doing a a Zoom show for birthdays and parties and everything. Uh, but I think they're getting it now. I think they realise actually they're not. There's no chance of having a an actual party. Um, so you're just going to have to do it online. So I'm trying to remodel my whole place so that I've got room uh, to do shows because it's very cramped. And I'm looking, and my office is full. It's absolutely rammed, packed with DVDs and books, loads of books. So, yeah, got to sort that out. Anyway, what are we going to talk about today? Well, there's a few subjects that we can touch on. Uh, We could say that this podcast is sponsored by the Conservative Party, starving children since day one. Um, Yeah, they don't seem to want to feed the kids, which is weird. Um, Giving them boxes of food. They're paying 30 quid a box and kids are getting just over a fiver's worth of food. Uh, And there's a company that's pocketing the rest. That's not fair. I'm sure that's not right. No. Uh, it looks like Brexit's a, a, a fantastic success. You ask any fisherman. I'm sure John Redwood is very pleased with himself. Yep, yeah, all sorts of things going on. Um, apparently, there's not much fruit and veg in, in the supermarkets. Uh, I wonder why that could be. People going over to uh, the Netherlands and uh, the the Dutch uh, customs are saying, welcome to Brexit and uh, confiscating sandwiches. Oh, yes, it's all fun and games. People complaining. They're saying, this isn't right. The European are treating us terrible. No, they're just treating you the way they, they've treated everybody else that's not a member state of the EU. And as we are not member states of the EU, we have to follow the rules that are applied to everybody else. And uh, not being a member means we have to do all the paperwork and have visas and pay coinage so we can get our laptops in and we can't take over food. And, yeah, Brexit is the gift that keeps on taking away. Anyway, dude, uh, I'm sure you've got something to talk about and I can't wait to hear what it is. Ladies and gentlemen, drum roll. It's the dude. Ta-da! Well, you might hear worse than a drum roll today because I've got some neighbours doing a lot of construction work. I will try and edit out the noise uh, when I when I come to mix this down, but if you do hear some, that's what it is, so apologies for that. Um, yeah, this week, dude, I mean... My anger is definitely palpable. I am, as you know, a pacifist, a dudist. You know, I believe in the morals of the 3.5% movement of peaceful protest. This week is really pushing the limits. 
of those ideals. And I'm finding that I'm having to talk down fellow protesters uh, from the ledge of, of doing more radical actions. Uh, we've seen, obviously, in the last week, the chaos in America of the storming of the Capitol there. And I understand that anger. However, the difference being they're angry that they think a, a, an election was stolen from them when it's been categorically proved that it wasn't. Whereas here in the UK, the referendum was established in UK court not to meet UK electoral standards, that it wasn't fit for purpose and that we needed to redo it again. And Theresa May just steamrolled on and said, yep, I'll ignore all of that criminality and put into place a, an advisory referendum result that reflected the views of essentially 27% of the population. Uh, if you break down the numbers, you know, those, that 5248 actually is, you know, doesn't count the number of people that didn't vote. Um, and so therefore, that positive, you know, vote for that decision was actually not the majority. And furthermore, like I say, they did not meet the standards of electoral you know, standards that we have in this country to say that an election is free and fair. So that's why we're in the situation that we're in. There's some of the issues you've mentioned there. I mean, this week I, you know, I've been raging. You know, it started with discovering that our government turned down an offer to let musicians tour in Europe because Pretty Patel wanted to keep such a tight rein on immigration they weren't willing to give reciprocal rights to musicians from Europe to come here. So that's all the festivals out of the water then? Yeah, so not only have we cut off a vital uh, income lifeline for the entertainment industry that's been on its arse thanks to COVID, but we're also saying we no longer want your culture. We no longer want entertainment in this country from further afield than our own shores. And it makes us smaller. That means Britain's got talent's going to be screwed then. There's going to be no talent on there because they're all from out of the UK, aren't they? Yeah, usually they do tend to import them nowadays, don't they? It's been going on that year. They, they go, we can't really scrape the British barrel much more. Because, again, that's... And that, in a way, is part of the problem in that, you know, we don't see our homegrown talent and people that do do it professionally and give them value. You know, instead we say, oh, well, let's find someone that you know, has no experience and hasn't put in those those years of work in the pubs and clubs or whatever, you know, forum that they get their art out in. You mean f you mean who's fought in the trenches like you and I? Indeed, yeah, those the long the long smoky uh, trenches that we've Working done our years clubs. in. Yeah. God. Yeah. Well, they won't survive, you know. The, I doubt they will survive COVID. Do you know what the scary thing is is that um restaurants are also on the knees and uh, so it's not just pubs as entertainment venues but actual entertainment venues and restaurants that are not only struggling but there's every chance that they're not going to reopen and what they're going to do is a virtual restaurant service where just like you've got your deliveroos and uh, your uber eats and all that sort of thing um, they're going to be delivering their own food they're going to be sending somebody to either cook for you or bring your food and you're going to eat at home. Restaurants are dead. I'm, I'm reminded of the, the Bill Hicks 
sketch, you know, where he says that the vision for America is you all sit at home in front of American gladiators while the, uh, a tank drives through the streets firing pizza boxes at your house and through your letterbox. And you just don't go out. And we're, we're living that reality right now, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we are. You know, so I was angry about how the music industry had been mistreated. And then, as you mentioned, the last day or so, we've seen emergency food packages that were going to households where, you know, they, w they were having free school meals and now the schools are shut. You know, that, that food provision has been removed. And so the government was supposed to be providing emergency provisions for people so that they can survive these times. And we've seen another, yet another crony contract given out where they're charging the government £30 and they're delivering, like you say, just over a fiver's worth of food for that money. And we say that's just over a fiver's worth. They're buying this food in bulk, so they're only paying about three quid for it. And then everything else is just being creamed off and put in a rich man's pocket. And the name of that company is Chartwells. Uh, Chartwells, uh, owned by uh, a Tory donor, surprise, surprise, but also somebody that worked with David Cameron and his government. And, uh, yeah, how how did they get that contract? Because I was thinking about this um, this morning in the shower. Um, it turned out that during the lockdown or over last year that uh, disabled people were, were receiving packages of very poor quality uh, food and out, out of date. And we talked about this. Yeah. I wonder if it's the same company. I don't know, but I, I wonder if it is. Because uh, Chartwells are saying, uh, we, we don't know this is happening. We'll, we'll have to investigate it. But everybody that's received one of these so-called £30 food packages for uh, children have all taken pictures and they've said, well, look at this. This is what we're getting. A couple of brown bananas and some noodles, half a pepper. Yeah, half a pepper. Onions. Half a pepper, yeah. Not even a whole yeah. a whole vegetable. Like, are you kidding me? You can't even give somebody yeah. a whole pepper, a whole tomato, <laughs> a whole onion. What happened to I know. What happened to the glory of, of British farming that was good? We don't the, need the EU because we, we'll cheese. grow our own. We'll buy British. We'll grow our own. Did you see the cheese? They, they give them cheese slices, but they took them out of the pack and they've just given them like four cheese slices. Yeah. And and they've they've put things in Ziploc bags and they they even give them half a banana chopped up in a bag. It's just ridiculous. It's obscene. The the term we've used for a long time, we've used the term cronyism. And I, I just don't think that does it justice. This is procurement terrorism. It is nutritional yeah. terrorism on the poor. There's there's gonna be rickets. <laughs> there's gonna be yeah. there's gonna be children that can't learn because they're ill. Suffering mental problems as well. The, the the parents are going hungry so they can feed the kids. It's not right. It's all ideological. Again, going back, you know, saying that they turned down the they turned down the, the the right for the musicians. Equally, when we're talking about trying to get kids the means so that they can be educated at home, the government turned down an offer for free broadband for these poor households. Companies were stepping forward and saying, fine, we'll give them free broadband. And they turned it down. You know, we're, we're supposed to be getting um, laptops for, for kids. Those aren't appearing. That's gone to a Tory donor as well. I'd be amazed if they don't get abacuses instead of laptops, because that's what this government are like. They'll cut another corner. They'll find another way where they can cream off some extra profits. You'd be lucky to get a calculator. 
it's absolutely obscene. There is a complete abandonment of responsibility from the government on every measure. And when we come to COVID, again, it's a case of everything is a reactive decision. There is no proactive uh, decision-making process in in place where people can, you know, where we can get ahead of the virus. It's always firefighting and they wonder why then things don't work. You know, you get that, you know, you get right wing critics saying, well, lockdown, lockdown's obviously not working because the case is going up. You've got something there. I know you've got something there about the laptops. What have you got there? Yeah, I just want to read this to you because £96 million laptop contracts went to a Tory donors firm uh, called Computer Centre. Um, and I'm getting this from oh, Schools Week. This is from the Schools Week magazine. Uh, Private High uh, revealed in October uh, that the firm's founder, Sir Philip Hume, Sir, uh, Sir Philip oh, he doesn't sound Tory at all, does he? Who remains a non-executive director and shareholder has previously donated thousands to the Conservative Party. So, you know, like being a member of the EU, you pay in and then you get lots of benefits out. A lot of people couldn't understand that. Why are we paying £9 billion, uh, to the EU? Uh, because we get over £15 billion worth back. So it's worth it. Well, these people are... Uh, conservative donors they're giving lots of money hundreds of thousands millions even of pounds to the tories and then when the when the work comes up the tories go do it do we know anybody that does something with laptops oh, oh sir philip whom he does yeah oh well let, let's see if he can do this oh yes i can do it well here's 96 million pounds for you to provide laptops to schools could you do that yeah no problem and then what happens well according to this um it says here um the school uh, the scheme came under fire after it was revealed 540,000 were actually eligible for the equipment more than double the allocated amount so what they, they've probably been overcharging for the laptops and giving giving half of them out giving out to, you know rather than say well okay what does it actually cost us to purchase this laptop because we are procuring for the government uh, oh, well, the, the laptop costs £90 if we buy 100,000 of them. Oh, brilliant. Let's buy 100,000. And how much should we say that uh, that they're worth? Oh, 350. Yeah. Well, well hang on. We've, we've, we've only got like 125 quid, you know, per, allocated per laptop, which covers 540,000 kids. Can you can you do? Oh, no, no, we couldn't get them at, at that price. They're, they're 350 quid. Well, that means less than half of the kids are, are, are going to get laptops. Yeah, they're going to have to share. Yeah. And the rest, they profit. I don't want to sound like, you know, a raging Marxist, but it's a fund fundamental flaw in capitalism, is if you measure success by financial gain, who's made the most money, you're actually undermining the value of expertise. Because you don't need to be an expert in the actual technical field of whatever you're in to make money in it you just need to know how to work the capitalist system to make money in it so saying that to this philip hume guy you're an expert because you've made great profits in this doesn't mean he knows anything about you know computers or anything he what he knows is about sourcing and you go well that actually sounds like the the expertise we need and he goes well it is as long as he's not taking a big fat profit for doing that work. You say he's Sir Philip. If you're a knight of the realm, you're supposed to be a defender of the realm. 
You're supposed to be a defender yeah. of the people of the realm. You sh- and, and in times of crisis, you know, step up, bring out your big business lance and start doing some work. Start slaying some of the dragons that we've got bringing down this country. It's it's a disgraceful use of power. And people like this should be stripped of those titles for the betrayal of the people and the betrayal of the realm that they've, they're committing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I just don't know how we fix the problem until we get rid of this Tory government. We need honest people. If you, look, it all comes down to honesty, right? It's like... If I say to you, uh, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to sell some stuff, and uh, whatever we get, I'll go fifty-fifty with you, right? Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, brilliant, give us your stuff. And, and I'm actually referring to before lockdown, I I took a load of um, magazines off a, a lady that my wife knows, and I said I'll I'll put them on um, on eBay. I said, and after fees and postage, we'll split it, right? Uh, oh yeah, okay, brilliant, and. Um, well, actually, they they weren't worth it. They, they were Transformer comics, mm-hmm. right? And um, I, I I was putting them on a ninety nine pence start price, and they were kind of selling for ninety nine pence, which was really disappointing. I thought, you know, she'd get a fiver. But anyway, the point is, I I've not even given her any money yet because I've still got all this stuff. But imagine if I said to her, for example, I sold hundred quid's worth, right? Yep. I sold hundred quid's worth, and we'll go fifty fifty on it. That's fifty for me. 50 to you brilliant and she's happy that's fantastic what i didn't tell her was i actually sold three times more than that and i just decided to tell her that there's only 100 pounds worth sold Uh and it doesn't matter because she's happy with the 50 that i give her yeah because 50 is better than nothing so so i'm a good person no no i'm not i've just robbed her of another 100 quid right but they don't see it that way. And this is what they've done with the fishermen. You know, we were they were told you'll get all this extra share of market, you'll be able to catch way more fish. And that might be the case that they can catch more fish. It's it's not way more, you know, it's it's a small percentage more that of now of what they're allowed to catch. The problem is two point one percent. The problem is they've got no market now to sell it into because they can't get through the paperwork to get it to its destination in time before it goes off. So even if you manage to find a buyer and prices have dropped through the floor, what was selling for 40 to 60 quid a box, the fishermen are now getting eight quid. Once they get it there, because of the delays at the border in checking through all the paperwork, you know, that everything is is up to scratch and in line with the regulations, by the time it's getting there, it's rotten and the people that have bought it are rejecting the load and it's just going into landfill. A week's worth of fish wasted. Yeah. Before they realised they couldn't get it into Europe. That's before we've even got on to the environmental impact of having lorries stuck at a border, you know, and taking longer to travel With their engines running. Yeah, and then all that food waste that we're then adding, you know, it's just going into landfill and not being used by it to feed the world. It's everything is crumbling and falling apart. We're starting to see supermarket shelves empty of fresh fruit and veg. Um, in Ireland, food supplies are cr- getting to a critical point where you know they're really struggling to keep enough food coming in. Pretty Patel did want to starve the Irish. She did. 
Yeah, that was supposed to be a negotiating tactic. Well, the negotiation's done. Why are we still starving them? And the reason is because it doesn't work. They sold a lie. They they were doubling down at every stage on that they could on that lie just to get their agenda through because they needed to avoid the EU tax regulations. And now that's done, you'd think, well, their money's safe now. Surely, you know, they've got it all tucked away. There'll be some way of turning it around. No, they're doubling down again, refusing any assistance that the EU might offer, any sign of goodwill. No, it's just thrown back in their face. And they'll try and then paint them as the bad guys. When it's us, we are the baddies in this situation. Pretty much, pretty much like a spoilt 17-year-old child who decides that he's... He hates his parents and and they're against him and all that. And he just storms out and he's got no money, no work, no skills, no savings or anything. And he's too proud to go back. So he just carries on and struggling and he ends up homeless. And the parents all the time are reaching out to him saying, look, you don't have to do this, you know, and... He's already burnt down his bedroom anyway, and he's you know he's killed the cat, and he's destroyed everything with his relationship, and he's just been an absolute monster, and he's finally gone, and his parents can see the guy struggling, and they're like, "Come back, you know, look, let us help you. You can't do it like this." But no, on every turn, he makes more mistakes, more mistakes, and no matter who tells him, says, "You you just you just need to own up and say you were wrong." And and just go back home and be a be a family member, but no, he won't do it. That's us. That is Britain. Yeah, uh, you know the EU are our parents, and it's just sad. And I want to get back to my parents because I don't feel safe. The problem we've got is that obstinate, grumpy teenager is the prime minister, and he's surrounded himself by yes men and women that are not qualified for the job that, that don't have the expertise and experience to be frontline politicians because they've got, you know, much as, you know, I grew up through the, the, the Tory years of Margaret Thatcher when you would have, you know, your kind of Ken Clarks and Hesseltine were the villains of my youth. And now I look at them. Yeah, but they knew what they were talking about. Exactly. At least they, they yeah, they wanted to make profits for their mates the same as the Tories did, but they did it with res- enough responsibility that people weren't starving. I mean, okay, you might if if you were a family of a miner back then, you might think I'm I'm looking <laughs> at things was, through rosy rose tinted no, glasses. But let, sorry, sorry, let, no, let me let me interject. It, the the seventies were shit. You know, even the music was shit. It's, you know, thank God for disco. But um, the <laughs> thing is, we we had rap when when rap came. That was it. I was sorted. Um, but you know, we had three day weeks. We had so many power cuts. I mean, I just. I, I get flashbacks now being a kid, you know, hunting around uh, un, under the kitchen sink, uh, trying to find candles because they've burnt down and, and worrying that the house is going to burn down because we've got candles burning and, you know, just feeling my way around in the, in the dark and, you know, not being able to watch television. And, uh, you know, thanks to my uncle, I had a little Benson um, transistor radio and I used to listen to... Um, Radio Luxembourg on that, under on, on my sheets, you know, and I had a torch that my uncle Kevin bought me. Well, you know, it, things like that, you you just think, we're so lucky. All the time ago, we're so lucky to not have to worry about the heating or, you know, um, 
having light or whatever, or, or running water, you know, fresh running water. I've lived in countries where you have to buy bottled water, you cannot drink out the tap, mm -hmm. and, and people don't appreciate just that. You know, that's, oh my God, one of the simple pleasures, or being able to shit in your own house and flush it away, not have to go outside and, and sit in the backyard, you know, in the freezing cold outside toilet, and, and crapping out the, and not having, not having proper news, Hang on, not having proper new, uh, toilet paper, we'd either have squares of newspaper or Isel, that tissue paper, toilet paper that would rip your ass all apart, you know. I remember my grandma having, you know, an outside toilet. I remember the excitement when I was about, what, eight or nine years old, when my mum and dad bought my gran her first fridge freezer because she used to just have a cold cupboard to keep all her food in. Mm. You know, a stone cupboard that was, had no... Uh, insulation in it so that it's it lead, cool. lead lined it was you know uh, and Le lead yeah. <laughs> I mean we say thank goodness you know we don't have to live like that anymore and I think obviously we have to be aware that actually things hadn't changed for a, a considerable portion a of, of, of the population yeah a lot of people had still been living in that poverty well, well this is what I need to say just hang on listen we, we were in Blackburn right and I told my wife that in the in this even up until the seventies until about seventy maybe seventy eight uh, that that my grandma had the toilet installed uh, the bathroom installed right and I told her that and she was like we never had a toilet outside like they, these are down they're down south they're in Bristol she said we never had that the the difference the north south divide is massive I mean I was still living in a coal town you know like I remember not being able to see because of the 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 coal smoke right. And and how it, I mean, I think that's probably what gave me asthma. Um, but I remember that, and I remember people walking around in clogs, and I remember the streets all being um, just stone stone streets, cobblestones, yeah. right? I remember, I remember that. I remember people, you know, men all walking around in dirty dungarees, uh, you know, just the weirdest things. That I remember that it's just weird that to think that we were living like that. Where down in London, you know, it, people were, it was like a, a different civilization. Yeah, I mean, I'm, do, do you know what I I'm mean? a Midlander, so obviously I was kind of like the halfway house. So, yes, whilst my mum and dad had moved to uh, a suburb um, from inner city Leicester, now when, when I was, you know, first uh, around, uh, you know, that house had, you know, rats and so forth, and, and it was terrible. Yeah. Oh, and my parents managed to, you know, because they both got good jobs, um, relatively, you know, that they managed to afford a house and move into a, a leafier suburb uh, of Leicester, a little place called Oadby. Um, and sounds posh. It, yeah, all re compared to the inner city, it was, you know. And I went to a very good school. You know, I was very fortunate to to attend, you know, the the schools that I did because it gave me a reasonable start in life and, a, and an education where I could see the difference between people that weren't in schools like me. Same same as us. We we were in Blackburn. Now, where my grandma lived, they lived in Queen's Park area of Blackburn. And uh, it, it, it was all terraced houses, you know, and a bit rough and ready, but, but nice. Yeah. I, I loved it. Um, but uh, it, it had areas, you know, like uh, Audley Range and... Um, intact and everything that were that were just going downhill a bit but we where we moved we were lucky to get a council house in a place called brownhill which was near uh, wiltshire uh, sorry not wiltshire wiltshire um 
and that was where like the golf club was and where the, you know it, it it was on the edge of the town so i mean i i would only have to ride my bike for 5 minutes and i was in the countryside yeah. you know um so yeah we were lucky as well to get out of it you know it is one of the few in inverted commas benefits of brexit is it is exposing the level of income inequality that we have in this country and that we've had for a long time and because people have, have found some people have found that they've got better jobs and they've, a, they've been able to raise the standard of living and we've seen better food in the shops you know more variety of, of foodstuffs in the shops that it's felt like things have changed dramatically not now we haven't but again yeah it's been revealed now that actually that change was very fragile it relied on supply chains so that you could get that fresh food in every day because we don't grow enough of our own in this country to to feed the nation like you say i remember you you know we could only eat fruit and veg that was in season and so we you know throughout the year or what we ate was seasonal so the kind of foods we made were seasonal and i i remember uh i think the first time i ever saw a lasagna um you know that kind of blew yeah. my mind and uh, and then we'd have start having <laughs> spaghetti bolognese. Oh my god, that was that was just spaghetti bolognese. Wow. I'm the angel delight generation. You know, a packet food that you could make instantly. TV ready meals. Everything was convenience, and so you thought it was better. Nutritionally, it wasn't. No, but we never. That that was totally new to us. I mean, I love it. I used to love angel delight. The was it um, butterscotch? Yeah, that was my favourite. Yeah, butterscotch um, angel delight. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, you know, we'd uh, we'd have proper meals because my mum was she was a really good cook, you know, um, and she'd make us all sorts. I remember going through a cookery book, and you know, well, we'll have this, and then she'd go out and she'd get the ingredients and uh, and make that. Or sometimes we'd have to make something with what we had round the house. And I've said before, you know, my job was to peel potatoes and uh, you know, over up and make sure um, everything was ready. So when she come home. Uh, we were we were latchkey kids, age seven, you know, letting ourselves in and out. I mean, I can't, I still can't get my head round it that we were walking to school over a mile on yeah. our own, right? As young as five, I was, I remember walking to Queen's Park School when I was, I must have been four, yeah, and I, I walked on my own. the The directions were walk down this street, turn left at the, I think it was turn left. It might have been turn right now, but. Go to the next street, walk down that one, and then you get to your school. There you go. I had to cross a main road, <laughs> and there was no there was no zebra crossing or anything yeah. like that. Didn't have your own personal green cross code, oh, man, God, to see I you can't... over the way. <laughs> no, no, but no, but we no, but we did have. Um, oh, what was his name? David Prowse. Yeah, yeah, we had David Prowse, the the great David Prowse from Bristol, uh, as the green cross man, do, giving us the green cross code and all that. And uh, thanks to him, I learned how to cross the road, you know. But at the same time, we did have Rolf Harris teaching us about swimming. I was just <laughs> swimming. Yeah, that's, just, that's exactly what I was going to say. It wasn't all rosy. <laughs> Tom, a kangaroo down sport. Uh, yeah, bloody hell. So look, things... Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Things are tumbling into chaos, okay? And by now, in normal times, we would be on the streets and marching. And we, we would. We'd be out every day. And we just. I I, I I made myself a bug out bag so that any time there was a, a a protest on, I'd I would have gone. And I managed to get to Sodom uh, in August, 
and I managed to get to the the one that we did up in Liverpool, and that was it. We've not managed to do anything else, and it's real. You or you did one in Bristol, and we did this. We did the Swindon car one, didn't we? Because we oh were, yeah, we did the yeah with the with the uh, tractors because we were in cars and we felt that was safe to do. Um, yeah, but finding action you can do is more and more difficult. Now, in the the last podcast we did, I mentioned an action that I'd come up with. Um, and it is starting to get a little bit of steam together now. And so, uh, again, I just want to mention it uh, again so that anyone listening, if they didn't catch that, can, can try and get involved. Now, if you go on to Twitter or all your other social medias, you should now, if you search for the hashtag clown for every town, you should start seeing a link to the videos that I've put out on how you can get involved with that. That's the number four, not Yes. The word for. Yes, clown. Clown. Number four. Number four. Every town. Every town. And it's to, it's to highlight, you know, the clowns we've got running the circus. We haven't got a government at the moment. We've got a team of clowns that are just, you know, driving around in a car that's falling apart. And that car at the minute is the United Kingdom. And so the primary action was to ask for people. And no one's laughing. Uh, yeah, and we, uh, and I should point out, we're not laughing at the people that have died either and the sacrifices that people no. have made or the suffering that people have done. It's about highlighting the clownish behaviour of our government. Now, the primary action said that because we are under lockdown conditions and we want to protect the NHS, the only time we have to get out and about is on our daily exercise. And that is a window of opportunity for us to be seen and to be heard. Not collectively, or not all in one place, massed together and, and risking catching COVID. But you yourself go out and do something. You take some pictures and then you put those images onto social media. And I was saying to people, make yourself up like a clown. If you've got a wig that can make you look like Boris Johnson, even better. The more bojos, the better. But if you can do that, go on your walk, dressed up, take some pictures and put it on social media. Now, a few people have said, that might be a barrier of entry for some people because they haven't got those resources. So I've put another video out now with other ways that you can get involved, such as wearing your red nose from Red Nose Day or getting your kids to... Links in the description. Yeah, getting your kids to paint a picture of a clown standing outside of Downing Street. Put that in your window. If you, if you don't want to put makeup on your face because you've got an allergy or something... Get a paper plate and paint the face of a clown on a paper plate and then hold that up in front of your own face and take your picture that way. Or a bit of cardboard. Yeah. Get your kids to any kids' toys you've got that are clowns. Stick them in a window and put a sign up with the hashtag clown for every town so that people know what it's about. Or paint Barbie's face. There are so many ways that you can get involved. Please do. Please check the links that we've got. Try and get involved and try and make this a national campaign. And it, it might seem it, that it's a, a flippant protest in what we're facing, but given the situation we're in, we've got to do something, and this is something that you can get involved in. And it's the first step. It will lead, hopefully, to people having other ideas as to how we can use that window of time to be seen and be heard. But also, it can build confidence to take other kinds of action later when it's safe to do so. Rather than stand on your doorstep and clap like a seal on behalf of the government to say, oh yeah, you know, the NHS is doing a great job. They know they're doing a great job. They don't need your applause. They need your support to get pay that, that rewards them for the sacrifices that they're making. That's, you know, a big part of it is get behind the NHS Pay 15 campaign because these heroes are in the trenches for us. 
And anyone that's standing outside of a hospital saying COVID is a hoax and blocking the way of our heroes getting to their place of work and to do this vital work, you are traitors. There is no two ways about it. You are traitors. You are plastic patriots and you should be ashamed of yourselves. Get involved with some proper action to hold this government to account and that's what we're trying to do here. Now, if you do want to be more active and more politically involved, I suggest that you find your local 3.5% group and join it. If you go to either my Twitter account or Doc's uh, Twitter account, you'll see a link of a way that you can join our 3.5% Telegram group. It's not somewhere to come along just to get a pat on the back and make yourself feel better. It's a place where you can come and find ideas about how you can get involved, but also you can suggest your own ideas if you've got some as to how we can safely protest, how we can make our point and how you know everybody else can up their effort, up their game and we can start putting some pressure on this government to do their bloody job. After all, the government work for us. I mean, you know, we work, we earn, we pay taxes, we pay national insurance, we pay VAT, road tax and everything else. It all goes to the government and we do that so that then money can be shared amongst people who are not as well off, disabled, uh, the old, uh, people who can't work, people who have retired, but also for infrastructure, uh, for schools, for for the health, for the NHS. And and the idea is, is the government takes this money and, and does with it what benefits us. And we've got a government that are taking the money and doing with it what benefits them at the cost of us. And that's wrong in every sense of the word that is capitalism gone bad yeah uh, and we we need to do something about that because you the the thing is the people who are behind all this the uh, whether it's the oligarchs or the or the um the the, the media barons uh what they're doing is they're, they're convincing people to do things their way. And they do that by paying them or by giving them great publicity or whatever. But it benefits them. And they've figured out how to get people to vote for people who, are, who do not have their best interests at heart. How to get the people to support the people that are doing them the most harm. And it's... it's it is schadenfreude. It is. It is wrong. It, it, it is people making fools of themselves. It is people thinking that what they're doing is helping the country when they're not. They're just lining the pockets of the Tories. Who's the biggest threat to the country? A media baron uh, who's telling you it's okay to give billions of pounds to a company like Serco for a track and trace system that doesn't work and leaves the country exposed to COVID, or seven guys in a lifeboat trying to flee a war-torn country. It's not a difficult equation to find the answer to. You just need the integrity to look yourself in the eye and get past whatever prejudices you may have and say, yeah, okay, things are going wrong. How you can deny things are going wrong? Be glad that your life has never been so bad that you've had to tr take your family and a handful of belongings on a... 2,000 mile journey on foot uh, to get to somewhere where you believe your family's going to be safe. Yeah. And then you get there and you're treated like shit by ignorant people who haven't got a clue 
what these folk have gone through. You should open your arms and welcome them because they've decided, they've chosen, just like your friends choose you, your family don't choose you, you're born into a family, but you find your friends. Here's somebody who's found us and wants to wants to come here and be saved and be helpful and useful. Look at all the, the doctors and nurses and all kinds of people that have come to this country as immigrants and who are making the country a better place. And what do we do? We shit on them. It's disgusting. Ask yourself, what would it take for you to be ready to risk putting your family in a, a, a raft held together with bits of string and rope and thrown out into a sea for thousands of miles of journey, not knowing if you're going to reach the other side? What, you're telling me you would do that for 75 quid a week benefits? Don't be ridiculous. You do it because that's the only way you can see them of surviving, of, of escaping war of uh, uh, you know and the brutalities of war that that come with it you've seen the zombie movies when when the few survivors have all been told that there's an enclave up north and they have to get to it and if they can get there they're going to be safe and they go through horrible things you know fighting with zombies and getting attacked and friends dying and losing members and all that just to get to this place they go through hell and back that's that. That's us. That's what's happening. That's what's happening with people who are trying to get into this country. Yeah. Yeah. Right. OK. Well, on that somber note, dude, we should probably tie things up. How can people find you? Well, you can get me on Twitter at Chris Doc Strange. You can visit my coffee site at chrisdocstrange.com and uh, there you can get a copy of my book. You can uh, hire me to teach you magic. You can buy 3.5% stickers uh, that you can use to um, get people awake to the fact that it only takes 3.5% of the population to protest peacefully against the government for them to change or to be brought down, believe it or not. Uh, and uh, you can also buy me a coffee, and that's at chrisdocstrange.com. So, uh, dude, how do we get hold of you? Well, obviously, you can find me on Twitter at Holy Mole. Uh, if you want to hear uh, me singing every week, you can join my Patreon at patreon.com slash Holy Mole. And for a little as three quid a week, uh, th- sorry, three quid a month, uh, you'll get a couple of songs every week just to cheer you up during lockdown and as you say you can commission me or just buy me a coffee on ko-fi.com slash holy mole excellent well um let's hope things improve but uh, i honestly think that 2020 was the warm-up act for 2021 and so i think things are going to get a lot more interesting and um i hate to say it just a little bit desperate so keep the faith be kind to yourself and others Let's try and help each other get through this. And just remember, if you voted for Brexit and still think it's a great idea, you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Doc Strange and the Dude. I'm Doc Strange. And I'm the Dude. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.
and the dude by making a donation via ko-fi.com slash chris.strange or ko-fi.com slash holy mole to find out more about our rejoin campaign please register at eurejoin.co.uk doc strange and the dude is a strange mole production